Okay, kids, it's time for another episode of the Field by Weird podcast, the only podcast that says, Hi, I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. I'm Chris Daly, and today I have the pleasure of chatting once again the founders of Insymmetry Creations, Matt Knowles and Steph Cannon. Matt, Steph, how's it going, guys? What's going on, man? I am yeah. right now... I'm right now mesmerized by your ever disappearing shoulders. Yeah. No, I don't know what the deal is. My camera's freaking out today. I don't know if it's just my shirt. I don't know, but it's it's weird. I don't know. It's okay. It's it's fueled by weird, so it's allowed to be. <laughs> there you go. And I got to give you guys congrats. You get the award for being the first return guest, so that's awesome. Yes. Very excited to have you guys back. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> First people that have asked to come back, so that's cool. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, man, for sure. For I sure. was very surprised by that. By that, because you are one of our favorite people to be interviewed by. So I'm shocked that no oh, one has asked because we're like, you, you do a great job, and you're. I'm really happy to hear uh, some of the guests that you've been able to acquire over the past few months and oh, past man. year or so, <laughs> and that just that's a testament to how great you are. So appreciate that. Yeah, we'll definitely have to dig into that a little bit here in a minute. Um. So, you know, we've kind of, you know, we've done this before, but it's always nice to do it again. We're going to throw out the icebreaker question to get things started. So the icebreaker question for today is, <laughs> what's the worst idea you've ever had? Matt, let's start with you this time. Wow, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so let me, let me, let me clarify things a little bit. You you just have to pick one because I had a hard time picking one because there was so many. Matter of fact, I think I've already changed it a couple of times since we've started talking. So just anyone, hopefully that makes it a little bit easier. Man, mm. I'm I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. Um okay, so how about this? And I don't want to say worst idea, <laughs> but I think I think it'll fit in this category. Okay. So so when when i was working on the crossroads conundrum steph and i had just met a few months before that and i had taken out a back page ad the back page of a show's program ten thousand copies of a program for a show had a full page ad or a release that was going to be happening for heirs of a sealed door at that show it was like crossroads syndrome issue five and there was 11 issues in that arc and my artist at the time was having some big big problems in his personal life and he knew what the deadline of the issue was and he just completely was unable to commit to getting the stuff done but the thing was he completely disappeared completely disappeared and he had been the artist for the first four issues so it wasn't like it was some random dude completely disappeared and it got to a point where i'm like i barely have anything for this issue and if he doesn't get this crap done i don't know what i'm going to do because i have to have an issue printed for this show so i took i did everything that i could whether it was 3d concepting or repurposing art from the first four issues whatever it may be and i built three quarters of that issue by hand and Steph remembers that because I was getting like three hours of sleep a night. And she was like, I don't care how much sleep this dude is getting. I'm going to stay up with him the whole time. Oh, so, man. so she made sure that I would, cause I was like about to dang lose it. Cause I'm like, I've got an ad on 10,000 programs and I got to get this issue done. So that issue didn't come out the greatest because it was, I mean, it, let's be real. I'm not an artist. I can, 
I'm a good graphic designer, but there's only so much you can do sure. um, in that kind of situation. So the thought of I'm going to finish this on my own and we're going to make this issue look good, you know, finishing it on my own so I didn't miss a deadline was great. But the quality of what that issue was at the time when it was originally released was not the greatest. So I would say that the amount of sleep and the amount of brain cells I probably lost then probably wasn't the best idea. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's going to be a great answer. I feel like that's probably hey. going to be. That number works. three on the list and you guys are both going to easily <laughs> jump over that in my list but what do you got well i don't know i it's not the worst idea i've ever had because i actually it's near and dear to my heart but um the, one of the first stories that i started working on was a graphic novel and um it's more that it wasn't necessarily a bad idea i love it i i, I still adore the story i want to see uh it see the light of day at some point in time um but it was ill-timed in that uh, it was about, I wrote this in 2017, 2018, and it was about a worldwide apocalypse that was started by a um, respiratory illness, uh, very similar to COVID. Okay. <laughs> and the way that it was handled was very similar to COVID. And now I look at it and I'm like, there's no way I could put this out. It's now we're getting to the point where I could see that we could but right as COVID was going on and right after COVID, I'm like, there's absolutely no way that I could ever put the story out without somebody thinking that I am capitalizing on this worldwide tragedy and horrific pandemic that is affecting every single person in some way, shape or form. But I wrote it before. So I'm like, did I, did I cause COVID? Did I like write it into oh, existence? <laughs> did I jinx everything for everybody? Because there are some very weird, eerie similarities. But again, time stamps on everything it was written 2017 2018 so now i have to wait a long enough time for time to go by so that people don't go this chick is just capitalizing on this worldwide pandemic that we're just now getting over and getting through and recovering from in many different ways that people lost loved ones from so i'm like well so it wasn't necessarily on purpose a terrible idea but it was just very bad timing because now i have to kind of give it some some time <laughs> give it some time for us all to get past that that's that, um, yeah, stress. So, I, so I'm interested to hear what Chris's is. If Chris, if Chris has had two and he couldn't choose which one was the best idea, I definitely am uh, wanting to know. Oof. Well, I don't even see that. Well, I can't even talk today. It's not that I didn't have two that I couldn't decide. I just kept changing between a bunch of different ones because <laughs> I made a lot of really dumb decisions in my life. Um, I'd say the one, one that I regret just because I've not been able to live it down to this day <clears throat> is in high school, I was playing Dungeons and Dragons as nerds do. Um, we were playing a particular campaign where my friend summoned some kind of, I don't even remember what animal it was, but I was up in a tree and I thought, Hey, I've got gauntlets with spikes on them. I'm just going to jump out of the tree and I'm just going to go gauntlets first into this animal and I'm going to kill him. And I rolled the dice and I didn't do very well and I missed completely and I kind of just annihilated myself. And that was, I was in high school, so probably 2000, 2001. And still to this day, my friend brings it up and will just not <laughs> let me yeah. let it there. go. You know what? Now that you say this and now that I've had a chance to think, <laughs> okay, I've got one, I've got one that kind of feels like that. Okay. So when I, so when I was in high school, I was, in the library of my high school my high school at the time was 
built very outdoorsy. I lived in Boca Raton, Florida. So every the high school is a bunch of small buildings. Yeah. And I was in the library and I guess we're getting ready for prom or something. I don't even remember what it was, but you had to have a form filled out by one of the deans or just signed or something like that. So I'm in the library and I look out the windows into the courtyard and I see the dean out there that I needed to have signed my paper. So I'm like, hey, there's the dean. I got to get him to sign this thing, whatever it was. So I decide instead of being like a normal person and walking out the door, I was going to run and jump over a chain beside the door. So I cleared the chain. There was not an issue in the chain, but the reason the chain was there is because there was an air conditioning unit hanging over top of the door. And I caught my head on the corner of this metal framing on it, hit the ground. It got up and I'm like, oh crap, that was embarrassing. I hope nobody saw this. Walked out to the DM. I'm like, hey, I need you to sign this for me. And he looked at me and he jumped back. He's like, dude, what happened to you? And I looked down and there is blood splashing off the ground. I had no idea, (laughs) but I split my head wide open. I had like my shirt, my pants, my shoe. Now, somehow my sock didn't have any blood in it, but everything else was just soaked through. I looked like a 1980s, 1990s wrestler who just got hit over the head by a chair. It was <laughs> unreal. I had to get five stitches in my head. And I was like, I'm surprised it was only five because I could go up there and feel where the scar is. And I'm like, that probably was about 10 stitches worth. And I remember going and getting stitched. And I remember feeling every single push in and out of the skin on my head from that thing. So oh, my God. That, that is definitely one of the worst for me. Well, since you shared head injury, I've the other one I was going to share. Actually, I just thought of another one. See, there's so many. Um, Second grade, I went out into the jungle gym. It was a little chilly, but not too chilly. So I'd say it was like February, March. So I'm like, oh, I'm not cold. I'm not going to wear a coat, but I'm going to wear my winter gloves outside. And I go and I climb up one of those old metal style jungle gyms that just looks like a giant cube. Like when yep. ice cube put together, like kids nowadays yep. don't know that anymore. But I climbed all the way to the top and I thought I am the most awesome kid in the school. I was at the very top. I was taller than the school. And I kind of did one of these like, yeah, I did it. And I go to grab and my hand slipped and I hit my head on the bar. All like every bar all the way down. Everyone around <laughs> said it was the weirdest sound because it rang out and I got a big dome. So it rang out through the entire playground and I just landed flat on my back when I was done. And I luckily I didn't bleed, but I had a huge, huge goose egg on my head. So it was, that was a pretty, the other real quick one was I got something stuck in a tree and I decided to use one of those speed jump ropes to get it out. And I would Mm -hmm. just tuck it up into the tree and then yank it back. And the last time I yanked it back, I got the thing out of the tree. But those jump ropes, they have that little nub that sticks out the back of the handle. It nailed me right between the eyes. And I went inside and I was like, I'm bleeding. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want mom and dad to find out they're going to be pissed. So I go to the sink and my mom's like, are you okay?" And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. But then all of a sudden it was like TV static, which again, kids nowadays aren't going to understand TV static that well. But it's like just across my eyes, just like I could see nothing but TV static for like 10 seconds. <laughs> and then it cleared up and then I threw up and I went and had a concussion. So <laughs> see, my favorite part about this is that you guys have several stories. This is the difference between boys and girls. I have none. I have no stories like that. I did nothing like that because I was a girl and I just 
difference between little boys and little girls. That's that's true. Well, yeah. I see. I seem to hold on though. I seem to remember something that happened <laughs> this past summer that. Um. Um, what, what, what didn't, didn't you have a story like this, this past summer stuff? <laughs> what did I do? Oh, when I fell and broke my, yeah, but that wasn't me doing something stupid. That was just me running. And I just <laughs> tripped on the side of the sidewalks fall. So but yeah, no, I injured myself greatly, but I wasn't like, Hey, this looks like a great idea. Let me run out into traffic. That was just me running. <laughs> that was just me running. And the sidewalk was all jacked up. So sidewalk that, was in Gaia. <laughs> that was the city's fault. <laughs> <laughs> they should have fixed that i don't run there anymore that's where i learned i'm like you know what that sidewalk is jacked there i broke my hand so i'm just never gonna run there again until they fix that sidewalk yeah. that's fair and actually that, <laughs> that helps because i was actually gonna switch over to that here where you know it's been i looked it's been like six months almost since we talked last so i wanted to ask you guys what you've been up to how things have been going you know, not necessarily related to InSim. If you want to talk about InSim, that's fine, because we're definitely going to talk about InSim. But, you know, what have you been up to since the last time we talked? How's your How's your hand? My hand is a lot better. Um, I think it's, it's kind of funny. I did 12 weeks of physical therapy, and it's to the point now where, and I think part of it is age, you know, it's just, it's not going to get, get it's that. never going to be 100%. It's never going to be back to where it was before. And I've just learned to kind of accept that. But I still have days... It's funny too, because enough time has gone by that I don't talk about it as much. And a lot of people don't ask, but I'm like, man, I cannot, I do not have full range of motion with these. And there's certain things that are still really difficult for me to do, but you just kind of learn and adapt because it's, it's fingers. It's a hand. I mean, it's not like it's like my whole leg or something. It could have been a lot worse, but it is not going to be, I'm never, it's never, I look at it now and I can see where that was, but I am way better than I was at, you know the beginning of fall where like, I think it was, um, August. So it was like a month after it happened and I was still like with the splints and it all taped up and everything. And we had to do a show. And I told Matt, I'm like, I literally can't do anything. Like, I mean, I can like stand and talk, but I'm like, as far as like setting up the booth, I cannot do anything. I can carry like some things over this shoulder maybe. <laughs> and so he was like, it's okay. We'll just, we'll figure it out. We figured it out, but I was pretty useless as far as like loading and unloading, like normally I'm able to like, you know, <laughs> carry some tables in or something yeah. and I could not do any of that. So we're at least back to where I feel useful again. <laughs> as far as that, it's not not doing all the heavy labor. But, I wouldn't um, say yes. you're useless, you're just useful in other ways. Yes, That's right. That, That's that right. is very true. That is very true. And, I tried my hardest. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting yeah. thing. But yeah, the last six months, you know, it's been the holidays and birthdays and just, it's been a blur. Like it has absolutely yep. been a blur. I'm like, wow, last six months. Wow. That went by really fast. Yeah. I saw your son had a birthday. I think your son and my oldest daughter are pretty close in age. That's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I love seeing that too. And it's all the holidays I'm like whose bright idea was it to have a kid right before the holidays oh yeah that's right, right? <laughs> whose birthday is right after the holidays Matt's birthday sometimes falls on Thanksgiving we're just a mess just stay on the bizarre like we're going to talk about injuries trick so um yeah, yeah I, was so gonna I, ask, I was gonna ask yeah about he got injured too yeah, yeah. so we uh mess. yeah so we um you know I referee high school soccer games for those of you who don't know I refereed probably approximately about 5,500 games of my life over 24 years and um I was on the field refereeing a boys high school varsity match and I turned and went to stride and 
I, I, it felt like somebody shot me with a gun in the back of my leg. It was like, uh, take you ever see those resistance bands uh, where you're working out, you can take and stretch them really far, like a big gigantic rubber band. Imagine yeah. taking one of those things, putting it right up against the back of your leg and just boom, just letting it go. Um, and I, I tried to continue going as my body, I mean, I was in full sprint at that time. And um, my leg was like, nope, you just popped your hamstring, hit face first in the dirt, and um right in the middle of the game and um was able to get over to the whistle to get the the game stopped and um the teams looked at me because we're only 11 minutes in and if i would have left the game the game would have been terminated there would have been no more games there has to be a minimum number of reps yeah and i was like no nah, man i'm not going to do that to you guys you guys are here to play the game so i got with the trainer and had the trainer um tape me up like a peg leg and i was able to i did 65 more minutes on that field looking like, you know, the worst excuse for uh, a referee known to man because I could barely even move. But um, one of the schools actually wrote the state and were like, hey, I want to commend this referee. I want to make sure you guys realize what this guy did, that he was injured. It was clear that he was in horrible pain during this game, but he didn't want to take away from the kids that were on this field and make them lose their opportunity because he got injured. So he just toughed it out, and we thought that was really cool of him to do that. So I thought it was really good that um, that this school actually went out of their way to write a letter to the state of Florida um, about that situation. But it took me—I was—I was off the field and off my feet for like a month. Um, luckily, I had what's called a, probably a grade two um, hamstring strain. Um, so it, when it's like that, it's either a strain or a partial tear, and you only need like four weeks before you can start getting back out there. If it would have been any more, it would have been three months and potentially surgery and all that. So I was glad that it was it was only that, but I can also tell you that I can't believe that it was only that. I mean, I know it was, but I'm like, I don't even understand how much a three would have hurt, like a full tear, because yeah. I've mm-hmm. broken my nose 17 times, I've had concussions, broken bones, and I can't remember anything being that painful. It was just cre- completely insane. But yeah, that's that's this was a testament on. to uh, our stubbornness and probably a little bit of foolishness because it was the <laughs> same thing like i fell and like broke my hand and tore a bunch of ligaments and i yeah. ran a mile home still i'm like i could do this i'm all right <laughs> it's just our generation man i mean we're we were crazy. we were kind of raised that way like you just suck yes. it up just get on with your it's day gen x yeah gen x i'm not I'm, technically i fall like a little bit behind gen x but i'm still gen x at heart he's a gen I, x at heart i'm yeah. i'm not quite gen x i'm a little i you're a little I'm like millennial yeah me too yeah I'm close mm-hmm. enough that I'm almost gen x but I'm not quite there yeah but I I'm I am gen x I grew up in that generation and we're, I'm very much like yeah just throw some dirt on it you'll be fine we're yeah. we're yeah <laughs> yeah and to, and, to go back, those days. and to go back with your birthday thing I totally understand that because I've got my my wife and I are our, our anniversary of when we first started dating was in December her birthday's in January then we've got Valentine's Day, so we've got and Christmas, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Get a little bit of a break, and then it's time for Mother's Day and our I know I our wedding like anniversary. Yeah, so it's the it's, same thing for me. It's always something like his birthday is like September, December, and then mine, and the holidays are in there, and it's just like one thing after another, and you feel like it was once you can breathe, you're like, oh yeah, but now it's almost Mother's Day. Oh, it's almost Father's Day. <laughs> It never ends. There's a, I read like something the other day where this somebody from another country talking about how Americans have a holiday every month. And I'm like, no, that's not true. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, we almost do. Like when yeah, you start counting. Is August. August is balance, the only one. Yeah, August is pretty much the only one. The only one where we don't have some sort of holiday that either 
it's a bank holiday or something you have to buy somebody gifts for. So yeah, no wonder we're so exhausted all the time. Yeah. And you said your son's birthday is in September? My daughter's birthday is in September. And then my son's is in December. So yeah, it's just starts the, 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 the holiday season starts with like the fall and then just goes and we're big Halloween people. So yeah, it, it's just day, that's how in September. Uh, September 10th. Ooh, my daughter's is the 13th. <laughs> yeah, see, and I was so glad too because I'm like, oh, I don't want, uh, because it was like she's born right before the fifth anniversary of September 11th, and I'm like, I yeah. really don't want her to be born on September 11th because I don't want for the rest of her life for people to go, oh, ooh, that's kind of yeah. bad, you know, and have that like yeah. reaction because you're like, oh, that's a bad holiday to have a, that's a not holiday, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I, I day to have like, yeah, yeah, your share your birthday with, so we avoided that thing. Yeah, mine she came a little bit early on the 13th, and then my birthday's two weeks later. So it's that's kind yeah. of where it starts because yeah, we're I'm not a super big Halloween person a little bit, but my wife, like, we should have our house decorated Halloween all year. So I, <laughs> I'm I, big time Halloween. I get it. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's all. It, 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 I prepare for it all year. As soon as it's done with Halloween, it's like okay, now we've got the countdown to when it's next Halloween. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so you know, I kind of wanted to talk about you know a little bit, just touch briefly on what I did, and it kind of thanks to both of you because since we last talked, I actually got the chance to talk to Kevin Smith, and I know last time we talked about. I know. I was just thinking about that today, and it was really cool because you know it was about. It was we got it set up through Dark Horse because it was to promote a couple of his new books that were coming out and it had to keep it got rescheduled, I think, like four or five times. And so every time like I'd get really ready for it and then it wouldn't happen, he'd have to reschedule because he was filming a movie at the time. And then finally, this one day we're like, OK, this is the day. And I sat here and the time kind of clicked by when it was supposed to happen and it didn't happen. Then all of a sudden, boom, he pops up and not only did he pop up. He popped up on his phone so there was video there was audio it was everything it was awesome because i thought so it was cool. be audio so, cool. so when i saw his face pop up it was incredible and yeah. i think it was right after you guys had seen him at the most recent spukala because he was still in florida with his mom he was at yes. his mom's house yes yep. yeah it was, it was. It's exactly what it was yeah because yeah. we had yeah because he had said he was going to be staying there uh with his mom when he was down at spukala yep yeah, so he walked around and talked to me while he was in his mom's house doing stuff. And I saw his mom That's in the so background. Cool. It was really cool. That's amazing. That's you, so you, cool. You, I'm so happy yeah. for you that you got that opportunity because it was like a twofold thing where we yeah. were at GeekCon in Louisiana. And um, Matt, was. that was one where we were we hosted the cosplay competition. Yeah. Um, and we had kind of access to the green room. And the whole weekend, I was like, okay, I know we're going to see Kevin Smith two months later in Spookala, but I don't know if he's going to be too busy. And I'm not one of those that's not going to like intrude on like a celebrity. And uh, there was like this whole thing the whole weekend where Matt's like, yeah, Matt doesn't care. He has no shame. <laughs> um, oh, I don't care. But for at GeekedCon, yeah. you know, we were like, okay, if we happen to be back there at the same time as him and he looks like he's okay, you know, and not like completely exhausted from a full day of like talking with fans, then Maybe we'll find a way to talk to him. And I'm like, that's not going to happen. The chances of that happening. And I went back there at one point in time and it was literally just me and him. And I'm texting Matt and I'm like, you've got to get back here. <laughs> and that totally facilitated. But it was a natural, like, um, understandable reason why he had to approach him because he yeah. was going to do Spookala two months later. And so he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the, the panel host and MC and look forward to talking with you. So there was a good segue in. But I could not believe, I mean, that is my celebrity, my big, he's just a part of my day. 
all the time when I'm up early in the mornings running and there's just a there, there I mean we don't have to get all into it but he's just a very positive influence in my life yeah. and so I got to tell him that and he actually seemed very genuinely happy and gave me hugs and it was Matt got pictures of it oh he no he was, was like great. he was like he said give me a hug can we get some pictures together he yeah. asked we yeah, didn't ask for, for a picture that. I was not going to ask for a yeah, picture he asked, like, yeah. He, yeah. Is, he is on a break right now I'm just going to tell him how much he means to me and then split like yeah. I'm not going to bother him I'm not going to like take up all his time and then so by the time Sweet came around, he remembered us, or at least he, if he didn't remember us, he acted like No, he did. did. I don't he know. Did. Who he knows? Did. He he sees a lot of people all the time. But, um, and then that was when Matt asked me like last minute, like, hey, you want to come up on stage and interview him with me? Oh, when, like, when, oh she, when she says last, when she says last minute, it was very last minute. It was, it was uh, like, well, right before we, going on the stage. So like, yeah, we were, we were about to go on the stage and I was like, uh, you know, I'm like, I can either, I, I was having some, the, the lights were really bright and I was I'm like, I can either go up on the stage because my tablet was already up there and we already had all our notes and all that. But I'm like, I can go, I can go up there and awkwardly try and get to my tablet and put it on to the notes or I can just take the human Kevin Smith note file who was standing right beside me. Yeah, and I, I looked like at her literally standing, yeah. was standing right off the stage and I'm like, I was like, did on the stage of the end. And she looked at she's like, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's not going to give me one second to reconsider that. Yeah. And just being around, because he's such a natural on stage interviewing celebrities. He's so good at it. I mean, we have people that come up to us constantly. They're talking about how, what a great interviewer he is. And just being around that, just kind of by proxy, I learned the way that you need to treat celebrities when you are interviewing yeah. them. And Chris, I'm sure you can, you, you know what it's like too. You just got to treat them like they're regular people because they are. And nice. so that helps a lot too. But um, just, you know, I've gotten to, to, to co-host some co, you know, panel host some cosplay contests with him. And so I'm real, I used to be really nervous on stage and on the mic and I'm not anymore. I feel very comfortable up there. And so that was great. That was, that was really fun. But then the trifecta, was a couple weeks later when you interviewed him and you said, yeah, you know, I managed, you found a way to like bring us up and that he remembered us and yep. had a good time up on stage with us. So yeah, it was like that was some good stuff. three yeah, months was... of just excitement for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I mean, you know, I, I thought it was only going to be like 20 minutes and he's like, how long do you need an hour? And I'm like, well, sure. did you want to yeah, give me? Right? He's like, yeah, we'll do an hour. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just so... get a whole bunch of stuff. So I got, I like you, I got to tell him how much you meant to me and, how much I really appreciated him, you know, because of him, you know, me and my dad got a lot closer before he passed away and blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was so awesome. And, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was really cool. And, um, it was because of you guys, you helped me become a little bit better as a host and, you know, just being able to thank talk you, sir, because, you know, I, I went back and re-listened to our show just to make sure I didn't double up on anything. And I remember Matt, you had said that you guys had interviewed someone where, I don't remember who it was, but someone had come along and they weren't really there to be interviewed. They were just there because they were a sibling, I think. Um, and you wanted to make them yes. too. So yeah, it was, think, uh, yep. Yeah. So I recently interviewed someone here in town who's a local filmmaker who he's done a lot of interviews because, and a lot of the people in his movies are his kids and the friends of his kids. And he said, you know, when they do interviews, usually the interviewers completely ignore all the kids and it makes them feel really bad. So I made sure to include every single kid that was there and made sure I had specific questions that were different and kind of geared to them to kind of make them feel special. And it ended up really well because when I went to the movie preview, because they <clears throat> they released it at a local movie theater, like a little family-owned theater here in town. 
and I was there with my daughter and this lady walked up to me and she's like, Hey, are you the podcast guy? And I was like, yeah. And she said, Oh my God, I'm so-and-so's mom. That was really cool. You did such a great job. I mean, she loved it. She had such a good time. So it was thanks to you guys for stuff like that. It really helped me out. And you know, like you said, I've talked to some cool people. I've talked to Kevin Eastman since we talked last. Yeah, that's crazy. That's great. That's that's a big, that's a big one. Right. And I talked to Chris Hardwick just recently and I I saw that and I got so excited (laughs) because he's sort of, I, he was another one whose podcast I listened to all the time when it was Nerdist and then ID Tinty. And that hasn't been around for two years years. now i guess and i I really wanted to talk to him about that but i had 10 minutes and there were like four other people on the call just monitoring so i'm like i'm just gonna try to make an impact and maybe we can do it again another day it's a shame too because he is such a good interviewer when i started watching him on talking dead yeah and um even further back like talking bad when they were doing it for breaking bad Mm -hmm. um he has such a great way in with that's what i loved about his podcasting very, very similar to Matt, where it's, you're just having a conversation. One of the things I loved about him so much is that you would be listening to the podcast and it would be like 10, 15 minutes in and the celebrity would be like, oh, we're recording. <laughs> Cause yep. they thought that they were just chatting with him and he wouldn't tell them when he would start recording because he wanted to get that, those natural conversations. Yep. And Matt is so much that way. Um, he, he tries to not ask some of the same questions. Sometimes you can't avoid it. You have right. to, because you know, the yeah. crowd is there and they want to know those things. Yeah. But um, he he tries to to we try to think of unique questions to ask them because they like that. And that's what's going to make them remember you. Yeah. And I, I even asked him because, you know, I look so up- for those of you that yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for, for that, I was going to say for your listeners that may not have realized what you were talking about earlier. There's actually Jackson Robert Scott um, from Lock and Key. So Lock and Key was probably at its peak yeah. of, um, of popularity on Netflix. And I, I interviewed him and he was like 11 at the time. And when we got off the stage, he was there. His parents were with him. His mom, I think, was his, his agent or his handler. And um, his, his sister was there too. And that was when we were like, you know, she was there and nobody was talking to her. And it, was, it wasn't like they were like giving her the shun, but they were just like, oh, she's not, he's not, she's not the star. Right. So, you know, that's when we made sure like, hey, we, we gave something to him. We gave something to her. We made sure to talk to her, include her in those off the stage conversations the parents really appreciated that so yeah we i'm, I'm glad that that had an impact on you that's really cool man yeah, yeah. you guys you guys helped me a lot so Thank i really you. appreciate that because you know back then was i was still kind of getting new into this podcasting especially you know all over video but now i'm kind of a little bit more seasoned i guess getting a little bit more comfortable with it so it's you guys were a big help so that was awesome thanks man appreciate that absolutely All right. So, you know, since the last time we chatted, you know, I kind of wanted to come up with some new stuff, like I mentioned before. So this time I wanted to kind of ask your creative process. What is it you guys do when you're trying to get in the writer's headspace? When, whether you're writing a review, you're writing a song, you're writing a comic, how do you get in that mode? And is it different compared, or is it different depending on what you're about to start writing? I think it's absolutely different every time but our our process is the same which is we live and die by google docs and google sheets if the number of times that i've said google sheets on a call i wish that i was getting some kind of kickback from google for that because we would have no financial issues whatsoever because of the royalties from that but um we really mean it the reason why is because a google sheet is um 
is something that's a living document. So like I could have it up on my computer and on my phone at the same time, and I could type on my phone and see it come up on the version of my computer. The, way, the reason why that's important is because Steph can do the same thing. Our artists can do the same thing. Our colorists can do the same thing. So for us, our process starts by whatever the idea is that's there. Meaning we could be having a conversation and an idea might spark, hey, that'd be something good for a story. We go to our Google Sheet that has all those, like the ideas, and we just go and capture it. It could be a setting. Stuff is big on settings. It could be a character name. It could be just any little thing. It could be a story about whatever it may be. We go and capture it so that that way it's there. And then if we if we have a desire to build off of that later on, we can. Um, we, we have a sheet from when we started um, where and that sheet right off the bat had like 26 different ideas that we just kind of brainstormed in writer's room and just threw whatever down there. Some of those stories have never come off of that sheet, probably are never going to come off of that sheet. Some of those things have turned into like what Misfits Clubhouse is. Misfits Clubhouse started from an idea, a rudimentary idea that we had captured on that sheet back in the day. What Misfits Clubhouse is was definitely not what's on the sheet, but it it started from that concept. If we wouldn't have captured that idea back in the day, we may never have Misfits Clubhouse because that idea that we had on that sheet is what we were able to go and build on and turn into Misfits Clubhouse. Um, when it comes down to like, let's say that we're working on something like I Am Keto, which is our uh, fictional Far East uh, fantasy horror, um, think Mortal Kombat Soul Calibur meets Mad Max. Um, when we were working on that, what we like to do is we want to make sure we know what the ultimate end of the story is going to be. We need to know what that's going to be so that that way we can go backwards and we can build up how are our character interactions going to work so that they make sense. So when a character gets to the end of their arc, um, we can make sure that it's actually going to be worthwhile. Uh, Steph is, is very, very big on making sure that we understand the character's emotional stakes. Um, you know, what's what's the point of this character? Why are they even in there? So that we can go in and just start building it. It's just like this, you know, you're putting together a thousand piece puzzle. Um, you're not going to put it together the same way every time your ultimate goal is to go from a bunch of pieces in the box to a, a completed image. But sometimes you might do the edges, you might do the corners, you might have a spot in the middle where you can like, oh, I can get those colors right now. You can put it together and then you come back and do other things. So we try to make sure that we are are fluid enough to just go work on the thing that's calling for us right then. But then there is some structure. Like we know that there's got to be good story points. We know there's got to be arcs. We know there's got to be reasons. Um, the thing we're working on right now for Heirs of the Sealed Door, we're working way deep into the script that we're doing right now. And there's a lot of making sure, okay, when is this character going to get to that ultimate arc? When are they going to get to their final scene? okay, let's go put them, let's go at least put a line down so that we know that, you know, when we, we get there, we don't forget. Because the worst thing you can do is just have a plot point that doesn't show up anymore. I know that um, Steph, when we were getting to the end of the Crossroads Conundrum and Errors, I know I'm going on a lot of this, but on um, Crossroads Conundrum, there was an element in the story and Steph's like, you do realize that this is the last issue of this arc and there's a plot point that has completely disappeared. 
it is nowhere to be found. It's not in the script right now. And your readers, the readers are not going to be okay with that. So we had to go back and she was, she was completely right. And we had to go back and make sure that we actually, it was a smaller thing, but it was still something where if it wasn't there, that people would have been like, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense if it was really important at the beginning and it's not important now. So we try to help make sure that there's not going to be those things that are going to take the reader out of the story and try to go close all those holes off as much as we can. I know that I just went on for a long time on that. Steph, do you got anything you want to add there? No, I agree with all of that. And it, it is very true. And as far as, um, and, and for those that don't know, I am also a film critic and I do a lot of um, uh, articles for a few websites, mainly Fangoria, uh, Creepy Kingdom, Horror Geek Life, Horror Buzz. And um, so for me, it's a little bit different with that because when I am going to review, and, it, and it's interesting being a writer who gets reviewed and also being a critic who reviews you know, um, yeah. pieces as well, even though they may be different because I'm reviewing movies versus comics. Um, but I try to make sure there's two main things that I try to do. I try to make sure that everybody gets the proper credit because I think for people involved in the film industry, it may be very frustrating um, because some of the small, and I don't even want to say smaller because that diminishes it, but uh, there are certain roles that might not ever get in mentioned in a review. Yeah. Um, you're always going to mention the the main actors, the main cast, and you're always going to mention, hopefully, if you're, you know, know what you're doing, you're going to mention at least the writer uh, and director, maybe the producers, depending on their involvement. Um, but if a score or the cinematography really stands out to me, I'm going to mention that and I'm going to make sure that that person gets the proper credit because they are bringing something to the film. And that, that might be their, especially with independent films, that might be their only mention that they may get yeah. Uh, just because it just they, it gets overlooked a lot of times. It's nobody nobody's doing anything malicious. It's just how it goes. Uh, and the same thing goes when I'm doing uh, articles, especially if I'm doing I do a lot of retrospective articles on the anniversaries of certain films. I try to dive a little bit deeper into uh, you know uh, why is this film so loved still, which I do do. That that is a main a lot of the crux of what the articles that I do. But I try to look back on, you know, what were some of the production uh, difficulties? What were, you know, some little known tidbits. So I try to add in something that you're going to not get if you read one of the other dozen articles about this movie on online. You got to stand out a little bit. So so on, on my side, that's what we do. But everything that Matt said as far as our comic writing process goes is absolutely correct. Yeah, and I have to say, you know, doing some reviews myself for Geek Network, it's it's tough sometimes and it can really like, burn you out especially when you get a bunch that are stacked up that are needing to be done because yeah. you know, like you said you want to make sure everyone who needs to be mentioned gets mentioned you want to make sure that the right people get mentioned you want to make sure that you tell enough about the book that you don't spoil it yes. same i'm sure the same would be for a movie as well you yeah. also you also want to make mm -hmm. sure that um yeah that everything's covered it's hard because you know, you just have to make sure all those details are there. You want to make sure that you also include what your opinion was. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be a good opinion. Sometimes it's going to be not so good opinion. I found out yeah. one time I wrote kind of like a mini review and I posted it on Instagram and it was about a movie that I thought was really good, but it ended really awful. Um, and we'll talk about it later because um, I don't want to pull it out because what happened was one of the people who actually made the movie he responded and he's like, oh, I'm really sorry you didn't like my movie. I'm like, well, it was, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty good for the most part. I just didn't like how you ended it. 
So, and that's yeah, kind of, he never really so responded tough. back to me, but it's, it's so hard. And like, I, I wrote another review for somebody who also I won't name, but they didn't rate it the way they wanted me. I didn't rate it the way they thought it should have been rated. And so they messaged me and they're like yelling at me, like, what can I do to make it so you get it, wow. this rating? And, you know, how do I change it? What can I do better to, I'm like, you don't want to change your stuff just for me because just because yeah. I didn't like it doesn't mean there isn't 300 other people out there that do like it. I mean, there's going to be other people that like it. It just, for me, and so I try to gear my reviews a little bit. I try not to be biased and I try to kind of just be down the middle and be like, you know, I don't like to say negative stuff about reviews. Even if I didn't like me the too. thing, I still yeah. try to I be always like, try to find like one positive thing to say about yeah. it. And I, I want well, to say- I can that, tell you, I can tell you uh, one of the things about us too is that um, and it goes it goes completely along with what you're saying right here is that, you know, we both make sure that the other person has the ability to do the edits. Yeah. If it's something I'm the primary writer on, um, Steph is going to be the primary editor on it. And I basically have to um, give her the opportunity to, to be that editor. Uh, do you realize you're saying this word over and over again? Or, you know, there's been this same kind of phrase that has happened for multiple characters when it comes to her reviews. She's, I mean, this is positive. She's got a very way she writes her, her articles, but a very specific way that the introduction paragraph is and then shows you like, the actual context. And there are times where she was something really good, but because I'm what's editing it, I'll be like, hey, you may not have realized this, but if you go back two articles, you use the same kind of intro phrase. So if this was the only article you ever did, it's certainly great. But if somebody looked at this compared to, you know, that they've read other stuff, they want to go, hey, this is the same, the same trope or the same catchphrase she's used in multiple times. So then she'll go back and look at it. It takes the other set of eyes sometimes to notice it. And it will be understanding when the comments come out it's not being said to try to degrade what's there it's hey i know what you want out of this i know that you want the best i'm trying to help you to get that best that you're looking for and having that trust is a huge thing because without somebody's second set of eyes on your stuff you can trust that's a lot of stuff that's not good because with that everything will sharpen that voice yeah, for sure. So I know that that we've got a little bit of a a, a choppy connection here uh, on Matt's end. So I want to make sure that we talk about our campaign before it completely his. Com I I don't think his connection is going to get completely lost, but I want to make yeah. sure that we mention that while he's still got a little bit of connection left. Yeah, for here. sure. There was another thing I was going to ask, but we'll just we'll ask that a different time. So no, you can ask it. You yeah, can ask, you can it, ask it, it too. Okay, I, we, ask we're it, good. man. We're good. Hey, okay. Ask it. You know what? If the if if it doesn't if it doesn't go through, then we just cut it in the post edit. <laughs> well, and it, it does kind of go along with the campaign, actually. So, you know, last time we talked about how you guys created the in sim team, um, but we, what we didn't talk about is how a lot of your themes are very steampunk heavy and very steampunk related. So, um, for me, that's kind of what's drawn me to you guys because I've been a huge fan of steampunk for ever. Steampunk pirates, big robot monsters, all that stuff. That's kind of all in my wheelhouse. So. For those who don't know, because I have people ask me all the time, you know, what is it about steampunk that you like so much? What is steampunk? I don't really get it. 
let's just kind of talk about that. You know, let's talk about what steampunk is and why, you know, it's, it seemed to be such a, a major theme in a lot of your guys' stories. So, and let me know, can you hear me okay right now? Yep. Yeah, you're good now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, steampunk at its essence is, think back to the 1950s and people are like, well, what's the future going to be? And you look at the 50s and it was like flying Etzels and traffic lanes and stuff that like, to somebody in the 50s, this is what they thought the future was going to look like. And they used the technology at the time to, to create that future view. Steampunk is basically, if you take that future view and you back it up to the 1890s, to Victorian times, to the Wild West, and you say, if you were in that era, and that era was who was creating the future, what would it look like? That's why you've got a lot of people in Victorian garb. That's why you see a lot of gears and cogs and literal steam top hats, because that was the dress of the day in Victorian era. So ultimately, steampunk is about making taking something that is old, repurposing it and making it into something new and futuristic. And so that's probably the easiest way for us to explain that steampunk aesthetic and that steampunk vibe. You guys able to hear that? Yep. Yeah, you're good now. Cool. Good. <laughs> and it just looks so cool too. Yeah, Absolutely. I've been, always been a big fan of Pyram like you. I love anything pirate related. And I also love the Victorian because I'm a big horror fan. So I love any of the Victorian uh, Gothic kind of uh, feel or yeah. aesthetic. And there's enough of that in steampunk for me to really like it. I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't a fan of steampunk i just it was kind of one of those things that was just ne never really on my radar yeah. but then once we started diving deeper into it once i met matt and, and discovered uh that he he was already a, a few issues into heirs of Isildur, i said wow you know this is a lot more um eclectic uh than i originally thought it was i just kind of pictured the top hats and the gears and that is definitely a big huge part of it but there's a lot more to it and there's a lot yeah. more um facets that you can kind of dive into with steampunk and that that's what drew me into it eventually absolutely so you know now we're at the main event you guys are here to talk about heirs of isildur perilous prospects three let's let's tell the world about it all right so heirs of isildur the perilous prospects three this is the campaign that we have going on right now on kickstarter it's going to end on february 29th so if you're catching this before february 29th what we want you to do is hit the pause button on this podcast right now, after I give you the address, which is tinyurl.com forward slash heirs, H-E-I-R-S, T-P-P-3. Once again, tinyurl.com forward slash heirs, H-E-I-R-S, T-P-P-3. We're going to give you a second to hit the pause button. You're going to go over there. You're going to look at the campaign. You're going to find the tier that you think is going to be completely amazing, is going to help to make your life enriched and be so much better. You're going to go select it. And you're going to come back. So we're going to give you a second. Okay, now we're back. You've unhit the pause button and we're back with the podcast. So for those of you that did not heed those instructions and you want to know a little bit more, Perilous Prospects 3 in this story, our main character, Michael Isildur, has returned from his supernatural sabbatical. Will this be enough to turn the tide on the apocalyptic events in the town of Shadowshaven? So one of the neat things about this book is at the end of the Crossroads Conundrum, which was the previous arc, our main character, Michael Isildur, finds himself um, 
in a coma after this, uh, this uh, apocalyptic event that's taken place. And for all of the Crossroads conundrum to this point, he's basically been a prop. He's been in a bed, um, unconscious, unable to, no, unresponsive. And all these people that he, were, that he was affiliated with have now had to come together and work together, um, one, to just survive, but two, to try and come up with a solution to this apocalyptic event that they accidentally helped to create. So the reason why this was a great turning point when it came to this arc is because in the Crossroads conundrum, everything was from Michael's perspective. Who's Michael going to meet? Michael this, Michael that, and how everything affected him and and from like kind of looking through his eyes. With Michael now in this supernatural sabbatical state, we've been able to go and really build on the characters that are around him. Why are these characters there? What is their relation? Um, what's going on in the town of Shadowshaven? Which before we saw his clock and watchmaking shop. But we didn't really get to learn more about a whole a whole lot of the town. Um, in this issue, uh, Michael comes back, and when he comes back, he sees that everything that he used to know has completely changed. He was a well-respected citizen in the town. He was one of the you know you could tell he basically had his chest puffed out. He knew that he was somebody, and because of this supernatural explosion, his entire identity was shifted to somebody else. So he wakes up and his best friend who is completely unequipped to take on his life has had Michael's existence kind of put onto him. So he's like, now Shiver is the, the you know, who runs his clock and watchmaking operation. And that, that just doesn't work. So now Michael comes back, he's like, well, Shiver's taken my, 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 uh, my life and I don't have a house anymore because my house blew up and I don't have a shop anymore. And, do I even have a role? So now we get to see this guy who was at the top, basically broken down to the bottom, figuring out what his new role is in this ensemble. Um, this story is definitely not just about Michael. You've got tons of people. There's tons of characters that are great characters. Um, and we are so excited about where this story is um, at this point, because we get to, you think you know where the story's going from issues one and two. You think you know what's going to be the logical um, next step in book three. And we always love doing that because we know that you're going to read this book and you're going to go, what in the freaking heck? How are they going to get out of this? I thought they were solving problems A, B, and C. And now you guys have just put problems M and O, P into this thing. You guys jumped all the way up here and have now completely turned this entire thing on its head. I have no idea how they're going to get out of this. And the thing, if we go back to what we talked about with story writing, we know exactly how they're going to get out of it. And we can't wait to tell that next point, but we're really happy to be able to literally drop this bomb on you guys in this part of the story. Steph, what do you think? Yeah, it, that is absolutely it. That's a great summary of the story that we can't wait to get into people's hands and tell them. Uh, everything, there's a point to everything that we do in these stories. So even if it might not make sense at the time or in a certain issue or in a on a certain page, we promise that it's all going to make sense in the end. Character motivations are going to make sense in the end. Character arcs are going to get resolved. Um, plot points are going to get resolved. We're very big on making sure that that all ties together in the end. And that's why there are many issues of this so far, because it's a, it's a very intricate and complicated story that we're telling. And we want to make sure that we give everything the proper time 
to to breathe and so the people can really experience it for what it is. And one of the big things too, though, was we want to make sure people don't listen to this and go, oh man, that sounds like it's so big, but I can't find a starting point. That's why we did the Crossroads Conundrum as we did. You can go and read just the Crossroads Conundrum and have a perfectly enjoyable story. Um, there's, it's not like you have to go read all the other offshoots, Tales from Nocturnia, I Am Keto, the previous arcs to get an enjoyable story. You start putting all those other things in and then you might get a little more flavor and a little more to it. Um, we actually did a podcast last week and somebody had asked if we had the reading order listed on our website, on our campaign. And at the time we didn't, but it was a really good idea. So we put down on there a bunch of different options. Hey, I just want to read The Perilous Prospects. Here's what you need. Hey, I want to read The Perilous Prospects and its offshoots, The Perilous Prospects, and then you got to insert I Am Keto into there. Hey, I want to read just errors, but everything errors. Here's the arc. I want to read everything, all the errors arcs and all the offshoots. And we put them all in there as well so that that way you can find an arc or a path that works for you and fits for you. That's really good. And I, I'm sure it's probably come up a lot. You know, I know a lot of people who, you know, kind of just they'll they'll see a campaign they like and they'll find out that it's not the first book. So they get kind of nervous, like, where where do I start? And the nice thing about you guys is a lot of your stories are self-contained, like Crossroads, which was fantastic, by the way. And speaking of keto, I have it right here. Boom. Let's camera go. A camera doesn't want to pick it up. <laughs> come on. There we go. There we go. Kind of, sort of. I'll do this. I'll do <laughs> that, too. Yeah. There we go. But uh, it's nice because sometimes we know when you're investing in a, in a book on Kickstarter, you may or may not get the whole thing. And that's what I really like about you guys is you guys are usually really good at getting out a whole entire story. That way it's all contained. That way, you know, beginning, middle, end. You guys have a lot of amazing cliffhangers at the end. So that that's the only thing that's, that's great, but it's awful at the same time because it's like this is... <laughs> incredible story but now yeah. i have to know how it ends or i have to know what the next part is so you're really excited to come back which is which is really cool well i definitely hope that you uh i definitely hope that you got to the end of um i am keto and you're like oh, okay that's what it's gonna do and then you see that post credit scene you're like oh look at what those dastardly little dastards over there did and and left open another another uh potential path there that seemed kind of unexpected I did. I did. I'm very excited to see where that one goes to. Say so, hey, one thing that Steph and I didn't didn't mention and stuff. I definitely think that you should mention this is one of the things we do in our campaigns, uh, especially in airs, is we always have homage covers. Mm, and nice. we were able to get um, Jose Cardenas to do a cover for one of Steph's favorite movies of all times. So, Steph, why don't you tell them about the uh, the variant cover that we're the, the homage cover we have in this campaign? So this time around, we're doing an homage cover for Nightmare Before Christmas, which Matt said is one of my favorite movies. Um, and the funniest thing about it is it was his idea, and I was kind of resistant on it. It was, it was sort of role reversal. I just wanted to make sure because I thought, well, this isn't coming out of Christmas time or Halloween time. And um, I, I know we do some horror shows, but I just want to make sure that people it's going to make sense to people. And uh, it, it took Jose doing the cover and integrating our characters into it for me to go, okay, you know what? this is going to be fine. This is, this looks great. It's amazing. Of course, I'm going to love it because I love the movie. Um, but yeah, we, homage covers is sort of becoming one of our things that we do. And we try to do something that either is 
relevant enough in entertainment that most people are going to instantly recognize it. And even if they like it or not, they're going to know what it is. Or it is something that is currently popular. When we did our Stranger Things homage, Stranger Things, I think I think the current issue, our current uh, season had just come out, or it was it was recent enough that people were going to instantly recognize. What it is. Yeah, my I think my favorite one of all your uh, homage covers for this current campaign is, of course, the the Death Clock one. Heck yes, Heck yeah, Metalocalypse. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That one and was made, fun. Yeah, and we made sure that um, even in this even in this campaign. There, there's been people that have picked it. It's actually one of our more popular tiers, yeah. which is pretty surprising, is we put a all homage cover tier. So you could get Perilous Prospects 1, 2, 3, which has got the Metalocalypse homage, Stranger Things, and Nightmare Before Christmas. Or you could get the four homages, which you go back one step to Nightmare Scenario, the one-shot the one shot Nightmare Scenario. And we did a Garbage Pail Kid um, based on Adam Bomb called Mal- Malfunctioning Michael. Um, in the atom bomb pose so you can go and get all four of those as a single pack as well we try to make sure that there are enough variations and options in tiers so that people can um find the tier that's right for them and find the tier that's going to speak to them we'll, we'll have it in the add-ons as well and yes the add-ons are good, definitely always going to be there but we want to make sure that people have the least amount of clicks possible to get to the thing they want some people are going to go to the add-ons and that's great other people want it in tier we want to make sure that that's there for them yeah for sure and that's another nice thing that I like that you guys do is you'll add previous books. So that way, you know, you don't just have to get this one, then wait till the next campaign to get, you know, the previous issues. You can just get them all in one shot. And that's that's really great. Plus, you guys always have a lot of fun extras. Do we have any fun extras we can talk about? Yeah, Speaking you want of to add ons, I guess. Yeah. You want to talk about that stuff or you want me to get it? I uh, so we can. I think we both can. Uh, one of the things that we have started to become known for is our socks, which socks. I'm actually wearing some of our socks this time. So we got to have socks. I, I I don't want to promise that we're going to do socks every campaign. Well, it, it, we're going to do them as much as it makes sense to and as much as there's a demand for it. And there actually was a really big demand for our, was it the 13 o'clock socks? Yep. 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 Those are our... Sold out of. Yeah, we've they a lot of people love them and have asked us for them, so we reordered them or um, ordered more for this campaign because so many people love them so much. But um, they're like almost, I mean, we have enough of them now that like during the winter, that's made the main socks that I'm wearing like every day are our socks, and they 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 hold up. They're nice and they're they're, they're really good quality. So uh, that's one of the items that we have and that we will hopefully continue to have if everybody still loves them. For sure. Ron, I will tell I will tell you. So so hey Steph, while I'm doing this, while I'm doing this, I'm about to say what to say. Go look at your chat and go look at the chat for one of our artists and the thing that they just sent us and look at the insanity that was just sent to us while we were on this podcast. Not gonna say what it is, but holy crap. <laughs> I got totally distracted right in the middle of saying I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so um one thing I will say is this this is the first time we've ever reissued socks, but we can promise you this that the next campaign that we do, which we know what it is, the next campaign we do, which is gonna happen pretty soon after uh, Perilous Prospects 3 is done, we definitely are gonna have some new socks that we've definitely issued before on that one that we are super stoked and we think that people are definitely gonna wanna get those things uh, up on their feet or up on their wall, whatever it may be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you find your socks. And like I mentioned <laughs> last time, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of socks myself too. Me I've too. Got- I've got quite a collection. I'm wearing 90s Rugrats socks today, so I'm pretty nice. Thing to do nice. It. Yeah, I don't I've... own normal socks except for my socks. Yeah, the, I, everything I, else I... is not normal. 
I, I have the long socks or short socks, but either way, they're all they're yep. all weird design. They're all fun. Crazy socks, yep, for sure. So Steph, that thing that just what that just came through, it looks really good, right? That's something that Chris probably really wishes he could see, right? <laughs> sure, yeah. I mean, it looks. I'm great. saying he probably really wishes he could see it. Too bad that he's not seeing it right now. But oh my goodness, that thing is looking killer. Oh, oh man, it's looking good. Very cool. <laughs> All right. So, you know, you, you talked about, you know, what's coming next after this campaign, are you guys able to talk about what's next or are we not quite there yet? So I would say this, we won't, we, we intend on most likely talking about what the next thing is going to be as soon as we're done with the wrap up of this campaign. We say talk about what's next. We literally mean like we'll do a live stream for the last hour um, of the campaign and probably five minutes after the campaign ends if you're on that live stream we might unveil what the next thing is going to be um okay. the one thing we will say is this um we pretty much know what our next three kickstarter campaigns are going to be and unlike 2023 where we only did two campaigns we did misfits clubhouse and then we did i am keto and i am keto being larger as it was it took a long time to get that book ready to be able to get out there into the market. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not going that direction this time. We're making sure that we can get out there and make things happen really quick. Um, we definitely know that there's going to be another Arizona Basile door that's going to probably happen. I'd, I'd be stunned if it doesn't happen this year, but there's probably going to be two volumes of errors this year. We have the next thing that's going to happen, which is part of the art that just came through in our chat while we were sitting here with you. Um, okay. And then probably one more after that. Um, we still there are some some things that could happen. The economy is kind of weird right now. Kickstarter is kind of depressed when it comes to um, sizes of campaigns, so we have to be very careful about that. Yeah. But the thing that we definitely can say is we have got big plans and are definitely really excited about where things are going. And we we feel like that the fan base is going to be receptive because they've been receptive to the things we're going to be. They've been receptive to these things in the past and we think they're going to stay receptive. Very cool. All right. So we'll make sure we tune in to you guys to find out what's next. That's very awesome. Yes, always. And we will always come back. We will always be happy to come back and talk shop and talk what we've got going on and all of that stuff. Hey, you guys are welcome back anytime. Just hit me up we and we'll make it happen it. every time. No worries. That sounds good, man. Sounds good. All right. So, you know, usually I like to end these with, you know, some advice to creatives. And this time we're going to do things a little bit different. This time, you know, we talked a little bit about last time about how running a Kickstarter is is tough. Running a Kickstarter, you know, with more than one person is hard enough, let alone running it by yourself. So um, I want to see if you can each give a little bit of advice about running a Kickstarter. And it could be anything. It could be a certain aspect of it. It could be just as a whole, kind of just whatever. I'll let you go first on this stuff because I normally take this one first. And I think that, you know, I'll let you take this one first. Mine is probably going to be a little different than what people would normally say. Um, uh, anybody that is aware of what Kickstarter is or has run a Kickstarter or even backed one knows that it is a grind. It, it there's no There's no dancing around it. It is very difficult. It's a lot of work. It's a full-time job. If you want to get the word out, if you want to have the proper proper marketing, you have to make it your full-time job. You have to 
Um, it's it's social media sharing. It's going on podcasts. It's getting the word out. It's doing a Substack or blog post. It's a lot of it's doing campaign updates. It's cross promoting. It's sharing other people's campaigns. It's a slog, and it can be very exhausting. Whether you're doing a 30 day campaign, we've scaled it back. We're doing uh, shorter campaigns, but it it is still exhausting. So the point of all of this is to say. Um, and I think a lot of creators forget this because they get so in there. And I have to remind Matt of this because I'm I I will do it. My mental health is is important enough for me. But take some time away each day to distance yourself from the campaign for a little bit. It doesn't mean half the day. It doesn't mean an hour even. If you can just reset your brain, just back away from the computer and go. You know what? I have done enough, or if you're starting your day off that way, it doesn't matter either way. I've done enough work on this campaign. I need to think about myself. I need to think about my mental health. I need to turn my brain off, watch a show, listen to a song, go for a drive, uh, go for a run like I would do. Anything that can just help you decompress and do that every day, even when you are in the mid-campaign slog where you might not have a backer for the whole day, you still have to do it because when you go back, you're going to feel a little bit more refreshed. It's very, very easy to just abandon your health and your well-being and your sleep and all of that in the middle of the campaign, but you have got to give it a priority, a little bit at least, for part of each and every day. That's yeah, my advice. Yeah, you got to drive yourself crazy sitting there just clicking refresh over and over and over. You just, yep. you got to Yes, oh my gosh. It, and, yeah. and it will make you, it will make you crazy. It will oh, make sure. you feel so many different emotions and get frustrated and just feel, I don't say bitter because it's a very negative word, but you just get in a bad headspace and you need to get away from that. Yep. I get yeah. it. I, I would say, I would say that especially nowadays you have to be very, very cognizant of the changes in the industry, cognizant of the economy that's going on around you and realize that not every campaign you do is going to hit the market the same way there are a lot of other factors that are out there that that you are not in control of um you are not in control of what the national economy is you're not in control of the fact that people don't have pandemic money you're not in control of the fact that everybody had to pay into taxes last year and haven't gotten their tax returns yet this year um and and just overall market there can be oversaturation of, of what's going on in Kickstarter. The prices can be too high because of economy. Um, people just don't have the money that's there and you have to really pay attention to, um, to what those factors are. And then also the most important is just because your buddy is over here and they have a campaign you think is similar to you and they might be doing twice as much as you, that's not always a reflection on you because their campaign isn't the same as yours. Your creative reach is going to be different. Your friends are different. Your supporters are different. What they've done to support and make for their campaign is different. So you can look at others around you to understand what's going on in general, but to be like, there's some softcore book that's out there that's making enormous bank. Why is my campaign not doing the same thing? Well, that's a totally different industry. Just because it's a comic doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's kind of like you go back in the day just because Playboy and Mad Magazine and People are the same magazine. They're both all magazines. They're all hitting wildly different markets. So you can't really compare the sales of one to the other. And that that's the same thing you have to do when it comes to Kickstarter. So just be careful and make sure you're out there doing your research and you're paying attention and you're making sure that you're, you're um, what you are, 
your expectations are are going to be realistic and reasonable. Yeah, for sure. I've seen a lot of creators get really frustrated because, you know, oh, so-and-so has this Kickstarter and they funded in 24 hours and I've in this for 10 days and I haven't even funded 50% yet. And I I don't understand why. And it's like, well, you can't compare apples to oranges because, you know, I mean, a lot of them that I've seen are completely different, even genres. They're different for a number of reasons. But like you said, sometimes there are ones that are that are pretty similar. And, you know, you can't take that as, you know, you're doing better. You can't take the fact that you don't have a lot of backers as that it's not something that you're necessarily doing wrong. It's just, you know, what you have out is not necessarily hitting with your audience of supporters. You have to kind of get outside of your bubble. Like you said, go on podcasts. You have to, like Steph said, you know, market yourself. You know, if you need help, hire somebody else to help market you because I'm sure you guys know, as I do, there's a lot of people out there who specialize in helping get marketing out and get the word out for people to all different types of platforms. And you have to maybe visit more than one social media platform. You have to put a newsletter together. You have to just get out there and promote yourself. Cause I think like we've talked about before, if you don't promote yourself and if you're not your biggest cheerleader, then why would I care if you don't even care enough to promote yourself, you know? Absolutely. And the thing we'll say too is yes, Kickstarter right now is, is, is really down for the majority of creators. Yep. So that's why if you're listening to this podcast and this is why I really need you out there and, and see if there's something that speaks to you and want to um, Even if you're somebody saying, look, I don't have any support of my kids, um, even a dollar, even doing that to be part of the campaign, that does help the algorithm. And anybody that follows your account on Kickstarter, We'll get an alert that says Chris Daly just backed this campaign. They don't know what he backed it for, but we actually literally have some people that have backed us because somebody else backed us and they got that alert. And you never know what that little bit might do to help spur some activity. Yep. Um, at the recording, the time of this recording, we are just below um, our first backer count incentive, which is at 100 backers. Hopefully by the time this drops, we'll be well past there. Uh, once we get to 100, we're going to be adding in a PDF to this campaign that has never been a part of a Kickstarter campaign ever. So we know that when you guys get, you go back this campaign, we can tell you that you are going to get two books you've never read before, which is Perilous Prospects 3 and the PDF that we're going to add in that's never been a part of a Kickstarter campaign before. So it's basically getting two for the price of one. Um, we are still... We're still a few hundred dollars below our minimum funding ask. And that is just the minimum number um, because we got a lot of other stretch goals to, that we hope we, to get to before the end of the campaign. We have a lot of other things we want to do, but we need you to come back us first so we can get there so we can all have fun where Steampunk Comics and Metal Collide. That's right. All right. So where can we find you guys? Where can we keep up to date on what's going on and how can we help support Symmetry Creations? So the, the best thing to do right now is go to tinyurl.com forward slash Airs, H-E-I-R-S-T-P-P-3. Once again, that's tinyurl.com forward slash airs, T-P-P-3. Um, to see more of what we do, to see all of our links, you can go to linktree.com forward slash insymmetry creations. That's I-N-S-Y-M-M-E-T-R-Y creations. Everything is there. Kickstarter, our, our metal music links, um, all of our different social medias, our Substack link for our blog of destiny, um, a link directly to the 90 or so bylines that Steph has with the are the horror movie articles and the geek culture articles that she writes. 
um, that's the places to go. And you can get to all of our all of our other social medias from those two. Right on. And I'll make sure we get all the links in the show notes and the posting we put on our website and make sure we get you all covered all over there. And, you know, to make sure to keep up with us, all the geek news, head over to geek-network.com. Check out everything new there. This interview, past interviews, all sorts of geeky goodness. Follow us at GeeksAZ on Twitter and Instagram, Geek Network on Facebook. Uh, you can also get Geek Network Media on Instagram and Facebook as well. That way you can follow specifically just the podcast from Geek Network. You can find new shows to be on. You can look up old shows, stuff like that. Um, find me at CD is Weird on Instagram. Music by Polygon Horizon. They're a great band. Check them out on Bandcamp. They do the intro and outro music for this show. Um, Chris Chandler and Mike Belcher do the logos for this show. Go check them out on Instagram and Facebook as well. And if you like the show, please leave a review and tell your friends because word of mouth is our friend. And remember, kids, to embrace the things that feel you're weird and always geek responsibly. Matt, Steph, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. We always appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, man.